0: Chapter 10 Nations and Empires, Part 1. The first section is Consolidating Nations and Constructing Empires. So, in the mid uh, 20th century, nationalism spread throughout Afro-Eurasia and the Americas. The Enlightenment brought the idea that nations should be formed based on people's common history and culture. Absolutism declined and brought the development of governments formed based on the welfare of the people. The local nobility convinced uh, culturally mixed peoples to unite under codes of conduct speak uh, speak a national language and serve in the army as well as adhere to regional policies and the italian and german nation states were formed through military conquests imperialism which is acquiring new territories as subordinate colonies that are to be controlled by political by a political entity under an overarching state uh, declined and we have national strength um, resulted from economic power territorial conquest and the unification of subjects all combined britain's administration was threatened by germany france russia japan and the the united states were expanding their states and uh, engaging in overseas trade New schools were built to explore religion, language, scientific discoveries and culture that um, and they popped up in mother countries and in colonies, and colonists were unrepresented in government, which fueled some social tensions. The second section is expansion and nation building in the Americas. In the mid 19th centuries, the American colonists won freedom from European nations and wanted to establish political unification and loyalty. They searched to expand into native people's territories. The new lands conquered by American nations were absorbed under their ruler rather, um, no, under their rule rather than treated as colonies. So the United States was a little bit different as it didn't establish colonies, it just absorbed all the land they conquered. Schools and railroads connected foreign lands, and indigenous populations suffered greatly economically and socially due to this national expansion. A strong military established diplomatic relations, and the sheer number of American people helped them expand after they won their independence from Britain. The Spanish, British, and native peoples threatened america's weak confederacy discussions of slave and free labor led to national divisions in the, in america there was manifest destiny which is the american people are fulfilling god's will and expanding across uh north america and uh the americans purchased land from france spain britain and the uh the native native american peoples as well as Mexico to fulfill this um, ideology. In 1860, Abraham Lincoln was elected president and pledged to end slavery. Between 1861 and 1865, the United States was divided by the Civil War, which is known as the Second American Revolution. Slavery was abolished and free men were granted suffrage and citizenship. Between 1867 and 1877, there was a Reconstruction period, which facilitated biracial democracy. There was a counter-revolution that reinstated white male plantation rule in the South and eliminated the voting rights of the African-American people there. And the end of the Civil War sparked strong nationalism, and a new national government was established. In 1887, the United States' industrial output was raised by 75%. The United States became the third most powerful economy in the world. Limited Liability Joint Stock Companies were companies that had a large number of shareholders that were not personally responsible for any financial failures within the company. The stock market was established with Standard Oil and the United States Steel Corporations. Pierre Point Morgan was a rich broker from uh, the New York Stock Exchange, and in 1890, 90 percent of the United States' wealth belonged to the richest one percent of the population. In 1865, the United States funded the construction of 35,000 miles of railroad, with which further interconnected uh, the nation. By the 20th century, 20,000, 200,000 miles of railroad connected the pacific and atlantic coasts of north america westward expansion and european immigration continued as a result of this uh surge in transportation in 1980 the united states created a constitution that promised equality to everyone so in canada canada exploited its open prairies for agricultural exports europeans migrated to the united states And between 1830 and 1860, Canada won independence peacefully from Britain, who uh, entrusted its authority to its Canadian colonies. The French population in Canada resisted assimilation and the Canadians remained loyal to the British and retained its status as a colony, even though it was independent. And only in 1867, with the act of parliament, canada was fully independent from britain canada's population was very diverse and was not unified by language or culture in 1867 the united states uh, bought alaska from russia the government proposed treaties with the native peoples to minimize bloodshed like the united states faced with its westward expansion so canada was looking at the united states and um the american expansion And it was like, yeah, we don't want all this war, so we're going to be a lot more peaceful with the Natives. And they maintained social relations with the Anglo Natives and the French Canadian population. The Canadian government had more power than the United States government, but not establish a national identity as it was so diverse. The elite classes in Latin America were not able to maintain democracies and a strong national identity. The noble classes held significant economic power as holders of sugar, coffee, and uh, the beef industries. Peasant and native revolts led, to, led elites to form governments that continued to limit the power of lower social classes politically. Leaders in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, gave the industry holders more power to keep political conflict at bay. So um, political administration and commercial power Were kind of merged. In 1830, Brazil banned foreign slave trade. Former slaves became sharecroppers and Italian, Spanish, and Portuguese workers served as farmers under the elites. Two million Europeans and 70,000 Japanese people migrated to Brazil to retain their wealth of slavery after slavery was abolished. African, the African-American population in Brazil was even more suppressed in Brazil than in the United States. Uh, Brazil conquered the Amazon River Basin to extract rubber and sulfur uh, for the tire industry in Europe and North America. And it did this in exchange for power grants to local leaders. And Brazil became a lead exporter of rubber and merchants won positions as money lenders for workers and landowners. Native workers sent their money back to their families in rural areas to get them um, to come to uh, where they are. And Manaus, the capital of the Amazons, replicated the Paris Opera House and housed European opera singers. Brazil's ecosystem was degrading due to the intense rubber production Blights and ants infested rubber plantations, there was fierce competition for rubber, and that led to bankruptcy. The Manas Opera House was covered in overgrowth and was eventually abandoned, and the elites tried to harness old political ideas to control Brazil and failed, suffrage was not granted and economic power declined. So Brazil was even more uh, repressive than the United States. It kind of modeled itself after uh, Europe's governments and commercial systems, but that eventually led to its um, downfall. Section 3 is consolidation of nation-states in Europe. There was no more unconquered territory on the European continent, and old empires were conquered. Nations bor- the na- nation's borders were set through war or diplo- diplomacy now. And the aftermath of the French Revolution presented the idea of popular sovereignty. National identities were forming over empire-based titles, and so it basically meant the French over the residents of Barcelona. So it was this greater community, Um, and that was the emphasis with popular sovereignty. And then elite classes merged with the common folk. In the 18th century, the term nation referred to a structure of monarchs, lords, wealthy merchants, and clergymen. In the 19th century, ordinary people became more literate as the printing press popularized books and magazines. Industrialization led to new taxes and railroad building to connect larger cities together. The definition of a nation-state was widely disputed against highly diverse regions uh, such as Southeastern and Central Europe. In 1871, Count Otto von Bismarck in Prussia and Count Camilio de Cavour in Piedmont, Sardinia, formed Germany and Italy. Linguistic diversity made dividing Germany and Italy very dif- difficult in Europe, as they defined this nation-state um, as a community of people with one shared history and one common language, which they did not have. Bavarian Germans were Catholic and the Prussian Germans were Protestant, so religion um, was a big factor. The Milanese people of Sardinia did not share a common culture with the rest of the region's inhabitants. Art, poetry, and music were claimed to be more important than uh, older culture and history now new italy was ruled by a monarch and 95 percent of the population had no voting rights so italy didn't really um make any progress in terms of um uh, like policies and administration and new germany was ruled by the second reich uh it had an assembly for adult males so some representation and had a combination of an aristocracy and a monarchy The king had power over the prime minister and was involved in Prussian politics for 28 years. So Italy and Germany were finally divided, but they didn't make any progress in terms of popular sovereignty. In 1866, Germany overthrew the Austrian army, and the compromise of 1867 was that the Habsburgs renamed their empire to the Austro. Hungarian Empire after expanding into Central Europe. There was a fight over national identity between the Czechs, Poles, Slavs, Hungarians, and Austrians and it continued until the end of World War I when they finally established their own states. So there's a lot of social tension in Europe. France lost uh, power through conflict with Germany and Britain faced social struggles like women's rights, a middle class population, and Irish separatism. Between 1870 and 1871, the Franco-Prussian War unified Germany, Uh, France lost uh, uh, Alsace and Lorraine to the Germans, Uh, Germany sacked Paris, and Parisians had to um, eat two zoo elephants because they were so hungry during the war. In January of 1871, the French government signed a peace treaty, and the Parisians established a leftist commune. 25,000 people died after the French authorities took back control. Uh, The French political power was turned over to the Third Republic after Napoleon III. The subjects were fighting between classes and were very anti-German. So there was a lot of tension between France and Germany. First, Germany separated and formed its own uh, state. And then there was a war between france and prussia and then paris uh, gained some autonomy that the french government had to you know um defuse and so political power was shifting back and forth and yeah there was a lot of tension so great britain um was composed of england and wales In 1707, Scotland became part of Great Britain, in 1801, Ireland became part of Great Britain, and in the 19th century, Irish and poorer peoples were resisting British rule. In 1918, England gave voting rights to all adult males and 25% of the adult women, so some women were um, granted voting rights. In 1928, all adult men and women had suffrage. Between 1845 and 1849, Ireland suffered a potato famine. The Irish became dependent on the crop, but a blight killed all of the potatoes, which led to the famine. One million Irish people died of starvation. So this was a pretty extensive famine, and England was not being very helpful and was not helping out these people. So, 1 million Irish people migrated to North America uh, in search of for opportunity and, well, a uh, better quality of living as they were starving, uh, but they still had lower income jobs and wages. By the 20th century, Irish people in England sought to establish their own state. Both conservative and liberal European nationalists abused the idea of popular sovereignty and and continued to expand but did not give political power to local classes. So, um, European nations were forming um, and they were supported by the lower classes because these nationalists were promising popular sovereignty uh, but then denying it. So the fourth section is industry science and technology in the mid 19th century western europe and north um, america went through another industrial revolution led by the state there was a shift in uh global economic powers oil became a major source of organic power while coal was taken to process plants manufacturing businesses now did not have to have their fuel sources and power plants close to each other so um manufacturing businesses were allowed to more spread out across the country. The invention of of electricity allowed manufacturing costs to drop, steel gained popularity as the primary material for shipbuilding and railroads, and innovations in medicine and chemistry surged in northwestern Europe, Japan, and North America. There was a mass production and larger um, the surge in mass production and the growth of larger firms swept businesses the limited liability joint stock companies were very successful in europe and the united states oil and steel corporations surged in production which led to a surge in construction of public works projects so bigger corporations like um the oil and steel um industries kind of um took control and took all the power away from all these other businesses that were flourishing before this uh, industrial revolution. Europe and the United States exported more products and worked to take over the cacao cacao and coffee bean industries. The first revolution in the North Atlantic region uh, led to a surge in coal, iron, cotton, wheat, and wool production, and these were all local resources the second revolution in the north atlantic region led to a surge in rubber copper oil and supplies for aluminum and they were foreign resources that were uh, that required overseas investments so in the first revolution we have local resources and we have internal trade second revolution we have um uh Basically, goods that were um, that had to be shipped in, so there was a lot more um, foreign trade going on. Indians emigrated from Asia to become plantation workers and railroad builders in the Caribbean and Fiji, South Africa, and East Africa. Chinese migrants became railroad workers along the Pacific coast and Cuba. Irish, um. Italian and uh, Greek migrants became factory workers in North America. The steam-powered engines and guns were utilized by the Europeans to expand their territories and commercial networks. In 1869, the Suez Canal was constructed and connected Europe and Asia. Information and cargo traveled faster. Telegraph lines connected the globe. And overall, there was just the world was more interconnected with the construction of the canal and the industrial revolution all these goods and the steam-powered engine and the electricity just made life simpler and more um, diverse. Charles Darwin was a British scientist that believed species evolved based on collective outside pressure rather than one-time creation according to the bible's teachings. And in 1859, he wrote um, on the origin of species. Natural selection, he believed, was when populations outnumbered food sources, which created a struggle for survival. And there was sexual selection, which was, um, according to him, the most attractive mating partners were more likely to reproduce at faster rates than untalented individuals and there was social darwinism which people interpreted darwin's theory as justification that stronger nations and more able people could always dominate weaker ones so charles darwin led these um, um developed this theory of evolution that basically human uh, the human race and other species evolved on outside pressure and you know and that de- That kind of diffused and transcended into social Darwinism, which is uh, like classes used it to justify their control over the poor people. And that's the end of part one of chapter 10. Thank you.